that's why the UK and Germany are the two best markets when you're expanding to start off with. Typically, especially if you're starting from an Amazon standpoint. If you're a UK seller and you're only selling in the UK, you could double your sales quite easily just by expanding to Germany. Fact. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's Amazon Profit quiz.com to get your free instant analysis ladles and jelly spoons boys and girls welcome back to the 10k collective podcast the place to be for six seven or eight figure amazon private label sellers a subset of the amazing fba podcast family we're closing in on a million downloads as i speak so should be within the next two or three months so somebody is out there listening hopefully that's going to be useful to you as well today we're going to be talking about global shipping global selling with andy hooper of global e-commerce expert spots the clue in the name we are going to be talking specifically about why you should sell in europe and why it's not as scary as you think andy welcome to the show thanks so much for coming on no worries thank you very much for having me it's great to be here yeah good to talk to you i love the energy a fellow brit like himself and the accent where are you based in the world andy so I'm Southampton, which is an hour south of London. And for all those people who are states-based, we're just five minutes away from Mayflower Park, which is where your founding fathers left and your containers come into when they arrive here in the UK, coming into FBA or the likes. And we're just up the road from it. So it's, it's a very historical part of the world if you're based in the States. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you've got a bit of competition with Portsmouth down the road for the Mayflower claims, haven't you? But yeah, certainly a major British port. Titanic's another reference you probably keep more quiet about. So anyway, Europe, <laughs> here we are. We, we are based in UK and you are literally over the water from Europe. And yet, of course, it's not always as straightforward as it seems. So let's, with a sort of slight US bias hat on, but I think a lot of what we have to say will be true for a lot of UK sellers. I know quite a few in the 10K Collective Mastermind. We had a meeting there's people doing seven figures in the UK and you think there's that place called Germany that you should be considering seriously. And yet, of course, is it worth the effort? So that's the first question. Why is it still an opportunity in your view if it is? Yeah, I think if you look at the Europe as a whole, and, and let's just dispel the, for anyone that's not sure what happened, back 18 months ago, we had something called Brexit. Us Brits had a spat with Europe, the European Union and decided we no longer wanted it to be part of the union. And I want to make it clear that we are still part of Europe because that's a common question I get asked. We're still part of Europe. We're no longer part of the European Union. And the Union is the specific part that looks after customs, right? It's the single market. It's the currency. It's the Union. It's all where your ship products get shipped and stuff. So that's the first thing to dispel. The second thing is to think about Europe. There's 550 million people. Right, in 28 countries. So the opportunity to sell your products to a very large number of people is astronomical. When you think about the breakup of those, the UK and Germany basically account for two thirds of all sales, certainly on Amazon in Europe. So that's why the UK and Germany are the two best markets when you're expanding to start off with. Typically, especially if you're starting 
from an Amazon standpoint. If you're a UK seller and you're only selling in the UK, you could double your sales quite easily just by expanding to Germany. Fact. You could triple your sales if you expand to the whole of Europe because typically from an Amazon point of view, a third of your sales comes from the UK, a third from Germany, and a third from the other countries. It varies per seller and everyone will have a slightly different opinion on it, but I'm talking broad stroke. If you're in the US expanding into Europe, you get 550 million people to expand to. Like it's just easy. Yep. I'm certainly with you on that. Now, the thing that I used to beg Amazon sellers who are based in the UK, because as it happens, I've lived in Germany. I speak fairly fluent German, so I'm not so phased by the language and the culture difference. And I used to basically beg them to expand into Europe. However, as you say, Brexit, I, I like the fact you put it as a spat. Let's hope <laughs> it ends up being that. Historically, it's a bit more of a sort of divorce proceedings from my seat so far. But whichever way it is, it's certainly added complexity. Is that really what's scaring people off? Or what else do you think it is that, that, that keeps people away from grabbing what used to be an easy opportunity is now still an opportunity, but perhaps less easy. I think it depends from what seat you're sitting. So if we think that you're already based outside of Europe, in the States, Asia, wherever you might be, expanding into Europe was relatively straightforward because the, the, everything you needed expanding and going into the UK is the same you need going into Germany. The processes and the systems are all the same. From the outside view, it's all the same. From a seat of, I'm saying the UK, we want to expand to Germany, everything was really simple. I just sent stuff to Germany. It all went through. I didn't have problems with customs. It just happened. Now what you've got to do is everything that people that are based in the States or Asia had to do with customs, indirect representations, and a whole load of jargon we're probably not going to dive too deep on. But it's a whole load of uh, red tape that you didn't have before that you now have. And typically what happens when you're, when you go through a new process, a divorce proceedings, whatever you want to call it, there's a whole load of changes that not everybody understands very clearly. And what happened when Brexit happened was it was, whether they call it last minute or not last minute, it was all last minute and no one had a clue what they were doing. And because no one had a clue what they were doing, no one knew what to do. And of course it was really difficult for the first six months. Those first six months were really tricky for everyone, even for us, where we were used to shipping people from outside Europe in, because the rules actually, although they were still the same, had changed. They actually made them, they realized that some of the rules that were in place, they weren't doing. So that's basically where the confusion came. So the opportunity is still there. Is it slightly more complicated? Yes. Is it slightly more difficult? Yes. Actually, with the right support and guidance, is it a better and more streamlined way of doing it? Actually, there's some bigger margins to be made because not as many people are selling there. So it's definitely made it more complicated. It's no getting away from that if you're based in the UK or Europe. But actually, that's just a... It was too difficult for the first six months, but there's no excuse now. You're just putting excuses in the way. Hey, just making excuses, guys. Get over it. I like it. Hard to say. I think the point you make about fewer people competing with you is an extremely important one. I'm of the people I've got in the mass money who have made the leap back into selling to Germany. So I had people that sold a million dollars a year in the UK, half a million in Germany. Then they had one year. To your point, maybe the whole of 2020 was, was pretty tricky, I would say, from the Brexit side, never mind with the pandemic on top. 
But uh, yeah, those who have gone back in have reported that there's actually lower competition and which means the price points they can get can be higher sometimes. So even if the revenue, the holy God of revenue and unit sales, which I'm extremely suspicious of, is not as good. The actual stuff that, in my opinion, matters, the gross profit margin is actually better. So you make an extremely good point. And I think that's going to stay a good reason because a lot of people stay scared off. <laughs> so if it's about... I think, sorry, Michael, there's another yeah, great point in there that's well worth mentioning. And that is that what ha what's happened is that the governments have got much better at making sure people pay VAT. Now, across Europe, that's a thing. Because what was happening is sellers from certain parts of the region of the world, typically Asian sellers were coming in, selling products. They were VAT registered, but they were never paying VAT. So what was happening was, is they were setting up a company, selling their products on Amazon with a VAT number, but never actually paying the VAT. So they could make their products 20% cheaper by not doing that. But what happens in a lot of countries now is the VAT is taken at Amazon level. So prices increase 20% almost overnight on certain products where there's high certain Chinese-based sellers. It literally increased the prices 20%. So not only is there less sellers, actually you can charge more for the products, exactly that for some of the reasons I've just mentioned there. Okay, yeah, very good point. So in other words, VAT is being charged at the point of sale yeah. by the marketplaces, really. So it's a little bit, if you're trying to get your head around if you're based in the States, I guess it's a bit like the marketplace rules around sales tax rather than the individual people doing it. Yeah, that makes true. sense, really. And I'm sure they may have taken a leaf out of the Americans' book on that as well. Okay, yeah. so if it's about getting around the compliance, broadly speaking, so jumping through red tape compliance is what your, your accountant would call it, or something more formal. So what are the main barriers to, to get done and what are the things we need to pay the most attention to? What's the real barrier? There's several parts of compliance you need to consider. There, there's, if we break it down in, through the stages, if you like, when you're shipping your products, there's, a there's some compliance things you need to consider shipping your products into Europe. The first thing is, do you have an entity there? So do you have an entity? Now, we wouldn't recommend that everyone sets up a business in each location. It just takes too long. It's too complicated. And it's a real pain in the proverbial. Then you've got to pay corporation tax, director's tax, and a whole load of other things that come along with that. So there are lots of ways around that. But if you're based outside of Europe, you need someone who's responsible for your products when you ship things in. And that's called an indirect representative. So from a customs point of view, you need an indirect representative in order to ship your products into Europe in most locations. And I say most because the rules are, even in the UK, but if you're based outside of Europe or the UK shipping into those, you need an indirect representation. What that means is someone who, if you on your customs form, don't necessarily tell the whole truth, then they've got someone in the country to go after and get the money. Great example of that is I'm sending a hundred iPhones into other phones are available into the country. And I put on the form that they're all one pound each. They all go through customs. No one says anything about it. And it all goes through. A year later, customs do an audit on that. And they come through and say, hold on a second. We know these aren't worth a pound. And then they come to you and say, Actually, these got to be a, have got to be a worth at least a hundred pounds. You've undeclared your duty and tax and VAT on the inbound. Well, if you're based outside of Europe, the chances of getting that money slim. Therefore, they come after me for that money instead. So that's what the indirect representative there is. They're there as the representative of the company, the importer, and for the government, if you like, 
to make sure the money is right going through the border. So that's the first thing on a customs point of view. Great. Yeah, let's keep going with the customs because I think that is probably the biggest barrier that I've seen. Yeah. So when you're shipping stuff across, the customs piece is really important. There's different ways you can do it and there's different places to send your goods. What I would say to sellers is think about where you really want to send your goods and what's the the easiest way of doing it. Most people listening to this will probably have their own business, entrepreneurs, business owners in some form or another. You're there to solve problems. Look at this as a problem, right? What's the easiest way to the market? So, for example, we've just said that the UK and Germany account for two-thirds of Amazon sales in Europe, roughly. That's all very well. So you only need a VAT number, let's say, and we'll come on to VAT compliance in a minute, in the UK and Germany. But shipping goods into Germany is the biggest pain in the proverbial you are ever going to experience. Whether your paperwork's right, wrong, indifferent, or absolutely perfect, it's still going to be a problem. What we do typically is we actually have a facility, a warehouse in the Netherlands. And what we do is we ship virtually everything into the Netherlands and then onto Germany from there. Because the Netherlands is a little bit more relaxed in its approach. I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong because they're not. But what they're not doing is crossing the I's, dotting the T's and being a real pain when there's no need to be a real... Germany is a real pain for the sake of being a real pain. Netherlands is a bit more, come on, guys, in you come. It's a little bit easy. Now, what you can do is you can import through the Netherlands to Germany. There's a document called a T1. Basically, it's a transiting document, if you like. You can ship into the Netherlands, into our warehouse, under something called limited fiscal representation. I appreciate I'm sharing a whole load of terms with you that you are going to bamboozle some of you, and I apologize. But basically, you can ship underneath limited fiscal representation. You don't need to be VAT registered in the Netherlands. You ship into our warehouse, we store the goods, and then send it on to Germany for you. There's a time frame you need to consider and a whole load of things. But of course, you're shipping into German Netherlands, then onto Germany, it's easy. So customs is solvable if you think a bit more like an entrepreneur rather than a shipping agent, because your shipping agent will say to you, you can do A, B, C. We all know as entrepreneurs that, yes, there is A, B, C, but actually to get to Z, actually you can go A, B, C, Z, or you might have to go A, B, C, D, E, and so on. And as entrepreneurs, we're there to solve D, E, F, G, H, I. That's what we do. That's what you do. Uh, And that's certainly what we do as a business, because that's just how I'm bred. And anyone listening will know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) on <laughs> <Dawn> bread <laughs> i think americans would be wondering what this is some kind of lovely british slang there but yeah i know exactly what you mean so in other words it's what works that counts not the theory right so the theory is shipped directly to germany and the reality is shipped to the friendly dutch who are all about international trade always have been by the way and uh, and ship on so they've always depended on massive amounts of external trade what about should we get to france so that that's another one that comes up doing a similar thing to what you've been discussing and thank you for yep. clarifying that makes sense have you experienced similar sort of wide open, open arms in France, or has it been a bit different? Nope, and by France, the way, I'm talking about shipping into France in order to sell on to somebody like Germany, for example. Yeah. No, we basically do the same thing. We ship into Netherlands, then into France. We don't ship anything into France or Germany only because it's a real pain. We do actually ship through France into the Netherlands sometimes for a transiting document, but still to do the limited fiscal representation. We don't stop in France. So we avoid sending anything direct to France and Germany. It just It's just too slow and painful. France is okay, but we'd rather not. 
Yeah, what I've understood, it's, I mean, it's just seems typical of their cultures, is that the Germans are indeed punctilious about if it says something on a document in a law book somewhere, it's going to happen. That's how the Germans roll. I've, I've got discounts for c- cinema tickets in Germany and had to show my passport in the past. And it's just how they roll as a culture. But the French, <laughs> as they roll, is that they have laws. They don't enforce them and then they suddenly do. Is that been your experience as well? I've got a couple of mastermind members who've had that as well. Yeah, I've got a great example of that. We've got one client who... Big client probably does 25 million in, in Europe as a whole. And here yeah, they've been shipping containers into UK and Europe for years with us. What's happened is they've had one container that's gone to France. It's got to Dunkirk. Was it? No, it wouldn't have been Dunkirk. Further along the line, I can't remember. But anyway, got to France and they went, it was going into France, unloading in France, and then driving to our warehouse in the Netherlands. Why it didn't go to Rotterdam, I can't remember. There was a reason, but either way, it doesn't matter. French Customs opened it and said, your products aren't translated into French. You can't unload it here. Shut the door, put it back on the ship. And we had to put it back on the ship, take it around to Rotterdam, which is, I mean, it's 50 miles up the coast, but obviously it's two countries along for those... uh, and then unload it again there. Obviously, significant cost to the client. The goods were coming in. They weren't stopping there. The documents all said, going to the Netherlands. This client has products made in every language, so it can be sold. They're a vendor client, Amazon vendor client, so it can be sold in all the countries in the right language. So it wasn't they don't have the product in French, where most of us are probably thinking, my products aren't translated in French. But you, they do actually have it, just not on that container. <laughs> yeah, because that wasn't how they understood the system to work. Yeah. Okay. It's a very, very alarming, but extremely good example of a slightly more major version of what I've heard from my clients of shipping into France, where it's absolutely fine for many eight shipments and then suddenly isn't. So thank you for the warning. And that's very good specific stuff. And again, it goes to show that uh, I guess that entrepreneurs are willing to go and bash their shins against the things a few yeah. times but you'd rather not so i guess it's better to have somebody like yourself that has done it before i guess that brings us naturally to a point we will talk more about some other compliance but while we're on the subject what services do you offer it does sound like you do help people avoid unnecessary learning curves if they want to focus on developing products brands sellable businesses so yes we so we successfully expand e-commerce brands into europe that's what we do over the years we've already talked about problems you know, over the years, we started about we originally started doing VAT. That was our original core solving. So I was an Amazon seller, and then we saw this problem where what was happening was is the sellers from outside Europe in December 2016 all of a sudden had to be VAT registered in order to sell. They actually had to upload their VAT number. Working with an accountant, we managed to solve that problem and start working with Amazon sellers to expand into Europe and provide a VAT number. That was the first thing. Then we had a warehouse. Then we did product compliance. Then we did label compliance. Then we did basically every hurdle that's thrown in your way to sell, we're solving because we want to make it frictionless and smooth. And when you're expanding to a new continent or a new market, what you don't want is 20 service providers doing different things for you. You just want to make it as simple and clear and as easy as possible. So what we've done is we've basically got a service that's completely turnkey that has everything in one basically provider. So whether that's shipping your container from China or a carton from the States, whatever, into Europe, we can do that. We can obviously do the customs and solve that problem. And there's three core bits. There's logistics. We solve all your logistics problems, whether that's warehousing, shipping, customs. We solve all of your compliance problems, whether that's VAT, product compliance, label compliance, customs compliance. And then we can scale your businesses on platforms that are relevant for you, whether it's the translation of those or running them on Amazon or Wish or wherever it happens to be. 
That was very quick fire. No, that's brilliant. Quick fire is good because I think that the serious uh, sellers I know are pretty busy because they're running their own businesses. Yeah. So that's good for me. So that's pretty straightforward. It's a turnkey thing to get from your country and into another one and just get the logistics, the scaling done. What was the third thing you said you dealt with logistics scaling and account management? So account management, identifying yes, okay. the right marketplace for you, you running those marketplaces, doing translations, et cetera, et cetera. And can people cherry pick, so I can't speak English today, can people cherry pick bits of those things that they need somebody to work on logistics, particularly in compliance, but they don't need somebody to run the marketplace for them? Is that a possibility? Yeah, a lot of the clients we work with, 50% of our clients have individual services. They might just have VAT or they might just have a warehouse. They might just do label compliance with us. The other 50% do sort of everything under one roof or you know, a cherry picked version of virtually everything some might be yeah they might already have a shipper they work with because they already do 100 containers a year if you already got a shipping company you rely on just carry on using them there's no drama with us carry on using them if they've already done a good job and they're already working with you just tell them to divert one container into the uk and one into europe no problem like it doesn't matter to us if you've already got service providers you rely on and you trust carry on using them but yeah you can have a multitude of options that makes sense. Yeah, and then it's good to know some people only offer one big giant service and that's it. So it's good to know that you can offer the whole lot or do a la carte. So we've got a couple of things to offer people. I know that the first thing I'd say is wrap this one up and then we're going to talk specifically to my friends out there who are based in the UK sweating to get stuff into Europe because I know that's a particular pain that I would deal with month in, month out in the 10K Collective Mastermind. Before we get to those guys, how do people connect to you if they want to find out more from you, have a chat to you about what you can do for them? Wonderful. There's a couple of different ways. You can Google us, Global Ecommerce Experts. And if you go to our website forward slash podcast, you'll be able to download a resource of seven steps to expand. All the details are on there. You can do that. If you want to get in contact with us, there's a contact page there as well. Obviously, all the social channels, Global Ecommerce Experts, you can find us. If you want to, you like listening to podcasts, you like this, you can listen to our podcast business, sorry, e-commerce expander secrets. You can do that. If you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, please do. Happy to answer any questions. I'm Andy Hooper and I'm the go-to e-commerce guy in Europe. That's something along those lines. Mind you, (laughs) it's a LinkedIn profile. It'll probably change next week, but feel free to hit me up. (laughs) No, that's great. And I know that you were putting together a seven-step framework, which you've got, broadly speaking, an e-book all about this kind of stuff that we've been talking about, how to ship stuff internationally and comply. Where will people get hold of that? Perfect. Yeah, so go to our website, globale-commerceexperts.com forward slash webinar. Okay. And you can get that. So go to our website and then just put forward slash webinar. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even more than me, I end up with URLs like amazingfba.com forward slash, you know, I try to keep it short now. So yeah, global eve-commerceexperts.com forward slash webinar. Great. So that's going to be really worth getting. I think getting informed before you go into the choppy waters of this stuff, it seems like a wise idea to me. Okay. We're going to talk with my UK friends, particularly in mind, but for the moment, just want to say thank you very much for coming on the show and talking us through compliance. I like your optimism and like the fact that you think this is extremely doable. I'm with you on the opportunity here the compliance side has become trickier. So the fact that there's somebody out there who can handle it is great. So I would urge anyone who's listening to at least consider getting in touch with you if they've been thinking about it. There's no harm in a conversation. It could unlock things. Who knows? That might be a a lot added to your bottom line in a few years' time. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Much appreciated.